0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode number 2 of Small Business Big Plans, the podcast where we walk with you along your journey to building the perfect business. I am Jeremy Davis, your host, and today we are in for a very special treat. We are joined by my good friend. He's with events.com, he's with helpgetsponsors.com, and he has built a fantastic business and in doing so needed to build a few business plans along the way. So He is going to help us understand exactly what goes into building a business plan and why they are so important. Stick around. It's going to be a great time. All right, guys. So here we are. Uh, As mentioned, we are into episode number two of Small Business Big Plans. And we're at a point where it's time to start thinking about a business plan. And, um, It's really one of the most important pieces of your business. If you think of it as building a house, this is really the foundation. And I'm happy to be joined today by my good friend, uh, Tom Crichton. And Tom and I have a a long history that goes way back, uh, not only just from great friendships, but we've uh, worked in business together. Uh, We have actually founded a business together. Uh, we've built a business plan together, but he is really the um, the quintessential uh, person in in my business world that knows the uh, you know the business plan better than anybody else. And so, when I cat to the business plan episode here, he was the first person I saw, uh, wanted to talk to. But just to give you a little background on Tom, he founded a company called Help Get Sponsors and that is a full service sponsorship sales and management agency he founded that back in 2001 and what that company does is it 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 helps businesses it helps uh events it helps all sorts of different entities with their sponsorship sales it's a very tricky and difficult thing to do pricing and all of that but that's what help get sponsors does is it brings technology into the fold and uh it helps it helps Tom more than anything be in places he can't be. I mean, he's a great, obvious uh, sponsorship sales guy, but he just he could only do so much. And this is what we'll get into later episodes: is how technology can help you grow your business. But uh, Tom's managed more than sixteen million in sponsorship for his clients, uh, major festivals, entertainment events. Uh, he's been with NASCAR team sponsorships, the NFL Hall of Fame. Uh, Terry Bradshaw. He's worked with him. He's worked with. Groups like GE, Coca-Cola, AOL, City Financial, Office Depot, the, the list just goes on and on. And uh, not only that, but he's also an Emmy Award winner, a two-time Emmy Award winner um, for sports reporting and producing. So uh, a storied career there, Tom, and uh, it's it's great to have you here. I really appreciate you taking the time out of what must be a very, very busy, busy schedule.
1: Oh Jeremy it's so good to hear your voice brother and uh yeah no i mean it's it's weird to hear all of all of that uh, history i'm turning 50 in in just a few months and so it's like wow you know it's kind of nice to to think back about some of the things um I've been fortunate enough to do and build, and also a lot of the work that you and I have done together. So, um, you know, my only question is, who did you have on podcast number one? (laughs) How did I not get that slot?
0: Podcast number one was just me. (laughs) Okay, Uh, yeah. So, you're you're actually our very first guest, and uh, kind of the idea of this podcast, uh, as people who are following along with us, and then um, you know, moving into the future, more people who get. Uh, tuned into us is we're just kind of going through the steps of building uh, the small business, and so step episode one was just kind of talking about why folks wanted to get into the small business world, and in not not really uh, a fear factor type situation, but just you know laying out the truth of uh, what to be expected, the the pitfalls, the pros, the cons, that kind of thing. So we talked about that in episode one, and then episode two, you're you're our guy, so we appreciate it very much.
1: Well, but, now I feel very honored.
0: You should be, you should be, you should be. (laughs) But uh, I guess the first question is, is obviously from the intro in your bio, uh, you came from a world of sports broadcasting, sports reporting, and uh, at some point you had to make the decision to move into the small business world. And uh, since we are fresh off episode number one of why move into the small business, kind of give us an idea of, of what you did and what decisions you made to move into the small business world?
1: Sure, you know when I look back, I think one of the one of the great opportunities in life, both personal and professional, is 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 looking around at your space and making pivots. And when I look back at what my career was and what I thought it was going to be, um, coming out of college in you know 1992, and even before that, you know I had a, a project as a as a 13 year old to interview someone who I wanted to have their job. And so I called a local TV station, and I spoke to um, one of the local sports anchors because I would watch sports on a nightly basis. And this is back when there was just three TV stations—you know, ABC, NBC, CBS—locally. And uh, that's really what I wanted to do. And then as I got older, and you know, ESPN was around, I just wanted to be the next Dan Patrick. Um, and as I worked my way through that, that. Process and you know working at a TV station first on the crew then in the sports department then learning how to become a photographer a reporter even an anchor it was an anchor on on the sports desk uh, the space the landscape is changing and life changes constantly and now it changes faster um, than ever before and so in two thousand one I'm sitting there ten years into a career in television and and lo and behold the internet is taking hold you know who who would have believed when we started we didn't even have the internet to to look up scores right? right and now the internet's taking all of the local broadcast uh revenue away because businesses are able to do a much you know more targeted digital more efficient ad campaign so local tv stations were losing dollars and they said you know, the first thing they did was they started to cut sports departments and so all of a sudden the world that i had had kind of envisioned you know i thought it was going to be ron burgundy uh it was like, i mean you, was, to be fair you kind of are well i do live in san diego now and i have a i have a maroon sport jacket that i love very much but
0: you're halfway um, there
1: yeah, I was uh yeah, so so you know, I looked around at the space and and realized that with my experience and history and contacts, I could move into the PR agency space for an agency that was handling uh multiple sports entities. So they were not only were they selling sponsorships for these NASCAR teams and drivers. They were also doing the public relations of the track side PR. So they actually hired me to do PR and it was a major pivot, but it was really awesome. Like I was going to track 23 times uh, a a year, like every weekend we'd be at track pitching stories. Um, And and all of a sudden I found myself working with the sponsors and then looking for ways to grow the sponsorships and build more creative, but also strategic programs to, to meet the needs of these sponsors. And I found myself with this skill of being able to sell and build sponsorships off of success and, and goals, not, not being a super slick salesman. Cause that's not where I came from. It was more a consultative approach of understanding, learning what the, uh, the, the sponsor was looking for and then building a program in and around that. Um, and so there came the next pivot, which I'm sure many of your listeners will feel this pain. Um, the person I was working for who will not be named, uh, Kind of kind of screwed me on some commission, and um, as I was looking around, I thought to myself, it was a rather large deal. I had a couple of options, like I could either go into, you know, a, a lengthy legal battle with zero dollars to back me up, um, or I could start my own company, and and that's when I decided to. But I didn't just jump out of what I had. You know, I looked around at some some client opportunities. Um, I found one. I had actually pitched this client to the agency I was with. They said, no, it's too small. And I realized, you know, if that was my client alone, there was plenty of money to be made from it. So pitched the client, won the deal, uh, left the company and never looked back. Um, and so, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, one of the reasons where I, you know, where I was and where I am now, it's, it's being open to pivots, um, but doing it in a smart kind of strategic way.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a fantastic story, and it's a it's a it's a story that a lot of uh, small business people who have been in it for a, a long time kind of tell a similar stories where the landscape kind of dictated um, you know the direction that you went. You kind of had this idea um, that it, it was going to be one way, and the landscape shifted on you. And I, I agree with you one hundred percent. I think the most important piece of any small business of any business whatsoever is adaptability and the, the ability to, like you said, pivot and move into a different direction because it, it's never going to work out the way that you think it is. And we're in that time right now with COVID where uh, there's a, a multitude of businesses who never, who never planned for this and who never expected this. And there's businesses that will come out better off because they pivoted quickly. And there's businesses that will ride out the wave, but that, it's a fantastic story. And talk about, Getting baptized by fire. I mean, moving into the <laughs> NASCAR world, which is the king of sponsorship sales. I mean, you went you know, from zero to hero right away, it seems like.
1: Well, kind of a funny story about that. Um, I was working for Terry Bradshaw at the time, he had a uh, NASCAR team uh, he was a part owner in, and um, they flew me to track for the first time to be the PR rep, uh, temporary PR rep for Kerry Earnhardt, who was Dale Earnhardt's oldest son. He looked just like Dale, by the way, Dale Sr. Um, and in back in back in those days, you know, uh, there was kind of a tendency for teams to hire very attractive um, women, you know, early in their careers, you know, mid twenties types. And you know, here I am, it's thirty four year old kid, and I show up at the uh, at the track, and I, they walk me down to say hi to Carrie Earnhardt. And Carrie looks at me and says, "You are the ugliest PR
0: chick we have ever had." <laughs> <laughs> that's a fantastic story. It fantastic. Fantastic. So that, and you're a handsome man, so oh. that's. Uh, uh, well, I appreciate
1: that very much, but um, it was truly uh, baptism by fire, as you say.
0: Oh, that's great. So, you know, moving into kind of the idea behind this episode with the business plan, you've obviously. Uh, I mean, just for people who don't know, uh, a lot about help get sponsors, it, it's a huge, uh, uh, in a huge platform and the technology behind it is very expensive. And, um, you know, while I'm sure you did very well in the TV world and I'm sure you did very well in the NASCAR world to fund this sort of business of this size, uh, obviously took, uh you know, some investment from a lot of different people. And so the business plan there had to be key. And so kind of walk us through uh, just your thoughts on exactly how important the business plan is, exactly how uh, you built yours and, and, and just how strategic it was in helping you get those funds.
1: Sure. Well, it, you know, it was really a two-stage process. Um, prior to building the technology, I owned and operated the agency for uh about a decade, you know, and so we were selling and managing sponsorships the old-fashioned way, and we were growing uh with success. And so we had some of our own funds to be able to self-fund what um you know we would call a validation product, just a product to put out there into the marketplace with some friends and family and just kind of see if, um, if, if the event industry would adopt it. Uh, And so before, you know, going after hundreds of thousands of dollars, uh, you know, many technologies, obviously tens of millions of dollars of, of fundraising um, we wanted to self uh, self fund this. And that's what we did through the agency. So basically we were building a technology tool that was addressing the need of hundreds of thousands of events and organizations trying to sell sponsorships, knowing that as a full service agency, we couldn't sell and manage for all of those different events. Um, and so, you know, starting the very first business, going back to that story I had shared earlier, uh, the overhead was super low. So the, the business model or the forecast, uh, what we were putting together was basically like, hey, what do I need myself to walk away from this job? And so building a budget around that was critical for me to make that decision. And so knowing that I had a paying client, knowing that we had X amount of inventory to sell, which meant X amount of commission coming in, I felt comfortable enough that I could meet or exceed my salary at that point. Now, fast forward 10 years where we as a full service uh, uh, agency providing a service-based product, not an actual software product, trying to reinvent ourselves as a software product, that is where the business plan that you talked about or that you're asking about comes into play. And that is when you're truly looking at what does it take to build this business out from developers to a marketing team um, to ex- ex- exterior resources, you know, contracting people, et cetera. Uh, legal concerns, if we're going to do a a, a round, a fundraising round, what does the business type have to look like? Is it okay keeping it as an S-corp or should we switch it to a C-corp? So all of these items come up when you're trying to build a business plan. And I think the question that your listeners have to ask themselves is, you know, what type of business am I trying to build? Um, Is it sort of a solopreneur or a very small business that's still going to fund me, you know, Exceedingly well, uh, or is it a larger business that we're trying to build to scale to match a, a national, you know, audience, um, and maybe someday, you know, get it to ten million dollars in revenue and sell it for a ten x uh, to some larger company for a hundred million. So, building the the business plan itself, you know, the, the first step is really understanding where you want to go with your business, um, because I'll tell you the number one, you know, concern or challenge is if you don't have the right resources to get you to where you want to be. I mean, that is that is the the dead end, or as they say in the entrepreneurial space, you're going to have a business they're going to call the walking dead. You, know, you might not go out of business, but you're not able to grow. Uh, maybe you're losing money every month. Um, more investors are putting money in, kind of keeping you alive, um, but you're just basically the walking dead. You're never going to actually come alive and scale and grow like the way you want it to be. So, you know, going back to your question, you know, the first thing is really understanding where you want to go. And so we always start with a five-year forecast, which a forecast, you know, can really help put the, it's kind of the skeleton to your business. And then you can kind of put the sizzle and the meat on around it when you're pitching for investors, if that's what you want to go after. So building a forecast is really looking at all of your, your fixed costs, all of your um, you know, ongoing expenses, all of your revenue opportunities, and can you reach those revenue opportunities with the expenses that you have in place? What does the end of each month look like? You know, where would you be 12 months from now if you hit 25% of your, of your stated goal from income? Um, and then you know where, where does that put you? You know, are you are you bankrupt and out of business? Did you just lose your house? That's going to really open up your eyes as to how to structure your business. Um, a lot of people will be able to build that, and and they can comfortably look back at at any incoming revenue and money and say, wow, you know, if we do X, Y, and Z, and we invest this much money to do so, um, we're going to be ahead of our you know monthly burn or how much money we're spending by month eight. And we feel really comfortable in this. So I I don't have a problem spending my own money and doing it, right? Um, It may take a lot more money. Uh, However, you see the outcome coming very quickly based on, you know, projected sales. And hopefully that's based on some history of sales. Uh, And you can go out and say to yourself, you know what, we can do this, but we need a half a million dollars. And here's how that money will be applied. Uh, And here's where we're going to hit. Our NLB, which stands for Never Look Back, meaning you're going to hit a point where you're more profitable per month, and you're never looking back in your rearview mirror. The only time you're going to take money after that is if you want to scale exponentially. So, you know, before I ever get into like what does a business plan look like, um, I really want to start with a financial forecast. And a lot of people will say, "Well, that's kind of scary. I'm not great at finances." So, if you're trying to build a ma- major business, if you really believe you have an idea, a product that can do that, then I highly recommend finding a fractional CFO. And there's actually, you know, CFO agencies out there that will you, you can hire a CFO by the hour, uh, and you can build that forecast, you know, within a matter of a week or two. If it's a smaller business, you probably have friends that are good with finance. You probably have an accountant friend, uh, and you can do it that way too. But really, you know, the bottom line is is your money in, money out, and so I really like to start there when we're building
0: a business plan. Yeah, that's a, a fantastic piece of advice. And, you know, the, the, it's it's interesting because, you know, businesses run the gamut. And I would imagine that folks listening to this podcast are all over the map. We've got possibly a guy who is uh, starting a very small landscaping business, for example, and his investment um, might involve, uh, you know, $10,000 for a trailer and some lawn equipment. And, you know, we've got people who, who might be listening who have an idea like yours who, uh, get to a point where they can see five years down the road, like you're talking about, the need for half a million or a million dollars of investment with the idea that that uh, money can be returned to those investors fairly quickly. And I mean, for those of us who watch Shark Tank, which I'm assuming most everyone listening to this podcast has done that, that's ultimately what these investors are looking for is is a quick return on their money. Um, I would imagine, and you have more experience in this than I do, that there's very few investors out there who are looking to put in money and then get that return in say over 10 or 15 years, unless there's a huge uh, percentage of ownership there. But yeah, I mean the financial piece as much as we like uh, to talk about uh, the altruism of business, ultimately it's about the finances and if that's, that's where you need to start because if you're not going to put together a, a financially profitable business, you have a hobby And we don't even need to be building a business plan for a hobby, so uh, I think that's a great advice. Start with the finances and uh, and go from there. So, you know, in building your business plan, uh, you know, I know some of the steps you've gone through, and some of the people that you've met with, and some of the types of investors uh, that you've talked to, and and I believe you got the chance to sit in and, and a pretty exclusive. Um, you know, kind of uh, think tank or kind of one of these um, you know angel investor type situations where these people are kind of giving you the feedback on what you needed to do and so with the financial piece of sticking with that, what kind of feedback did you get from those people who were ultimately looking to um, you know make a, a a good profit and a quick turnaround? Was there anything that you found within your business plan, within your finances that you just didn't expect or, or did you have it dialed in pretty tightly from the start?
1: Uh, no, I, I think the best way to answer that is I got my butt kicked by some really, really well-established uh, successful entrepreneurs who had had major exits or, or had worked at major you know, financial investment type firms that had seen the gamut of business. And so the way I went into that battle was, um, fortunately enough, in San Diego, there's a wonderful organization called connect.org. Um, and then from that, and they've actually branched out on their own, was the organization I fell under, and this was a nonprofit called San Diego Sports Innovators, SDSI. And that's actually the executive chairman of that is Bill Walton, you know, of the uh, LA Lakers uh, and UCLA fame. I'm a very, very big guy in the San Diego community, always looking for ways to bolster business, grow the jobs, you know, grow the economy of San Diego. And there's people like that in every single Community around the country. And in most communities, you actually are now seeing a lot of these nonprofits geared toward helping entrepreneurs, new businesses have the tools and have the uh, education that they need to be able to, you know, like I said, get your butt kicked for a while and then get on your feet, dust yourself off, and be so much better prepared to go into the marketplace um, and, and sell investors uh, into your business. And so, you know, that process, what that looked like was it was a 16-week course where we had to initially pitch our business to a group of about 50 investors. Um, and I look back at that initial pitch with no really information other than what I found online and you know, just doing kind of self research. Um, it, it was just horribly embarrassing now if I look back at that. I'm, I'm just amazed that they picked me. Uh, and those investors had the opportunity to put their names on a business they thought could actually work. And then they became your advisors. So if you had three or four people pick your business, which we were fortunate enough to do, you moved into um, the springboard program. So they're helping you springboard into success. So once you're in the program, again, a lot of local communities, I know people are going to be listening to this from all over the place, you know, check with your chamber of commerce, local businesses. Um, there's usually some entrepreneur organizations out there that do something similar. Um, and so what, the reason they're doing it is they're not only, you know, hoping to create new businesses and grow the economy in your local community. They're also looking for opportunities, right? They're looking for the next great company that they can be a part of. Um, so I had four advisors, you know, for 16 weeks and once a week, we had to rebuild the business plan based on their feedback I'd go in and repitch it. Um, they would kind of beat you up a little bit, tell you everything that's wrong with it, give you a lot of stuff to work on, you know, within your pitch, your forecast, uh, your, your financial, um uh hopes and goals and dreams uh and then from there uh they'd come back and refine it and refine it and ultimately if you made it through the sixteen weeks you would graduate and you just feel like you're in a position to be able to go you know pitch in front of shark tank live if you had to um yeah, but they really yeah they really helped us decide like what was the uh, total amount of money because if you're pitching way too much money than you need, or way too little, you know potential investors are going to see right through that, and they're going to see, you know, how um, inexperienced and novice you are. So building the right financial forecast and then framing your business around that, your business plan, uh, is is why I always kind of revert back to that. Um, there's a saying in uh, in in the San Diego community out here when you look at entrepreneurs and entrepreneur opportunities you look at three things. Um, you look at the, the surf coming in, um, that's your business, your market. Is there surf, is there customers? Then you look at the surfboard, that's your product. Is it, is it awesome, is it shiny, does it float, does it sink? And then the last thing they look at is the surfer and that's the entrepreneur. Can they actually get up on top of that board and can they ride those awesome waves in? And if they have those three things, uh, they feel like they have a really good opportunity.
0: Yeah. So that's a, a huge piece of it that a lot of small business people don't take into consideration. It's just that passion that is driving the entrepreneur, like you talked about, the surfer. Um, there's so many people who have great ideas, uh, who have businesses that it, it's very clear will be profitable and make a lot of money. And that won't take you so far. But ultimately, it is You know that entrepreneur and then the passion behind what they're uh, selling, what they're pushing, what they're building is going to make the difference between you and the other guy with the great idea. So that's fantastic advice. On to the business plan that you built. And I know you've built several. You built one with me um, as we built uh, a business actually trying to acquire another business. And that was a a great learning process for me and a lot of fun uh, to do that alongside you. But you know, what sort of tools did you use to help build that business plan? So, I mean, did you just simply Google how to build a business plan and go from there? Or did you have software that helps you along the way or a combination of both? You know, back
1: then, we really did just build it out of a um, uh, Excel spreadsheet. Um, you know, we, we spent, Jeremy, can you hear me?
0: Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Go ahead.
1: Oh, sorry. Everything went kind of <laughs> blank there. Um, yeah, so we built it out of a Excel spreadsheet looking at what we were talking about before, you know, finances in, dollars out. Uh, what was interesting with that business plan, um, you know, two things, we were going after institutional capital, we were looking for a loan, which is a little bit different, um, than invest investment or outside investment. Um, and two we were buying and expanding in an existing business. So we were looking at um, you know revenue that already existed plus revenue that we thought we could grow in ways we thought we could you know lower costs etc. and and by doing that you know and wrapping that around our business plan uh, I know you and I were successful in the fact that we were able to get the approvals from the bank. We ultimately didn't buy the company, um, but you know showing institutional capital. Uh, real revenue as well as actual collateral um, to to protect the loan uh, is really the way you got to go um, yeah. with with you know investors you know i'd say I would Google different forecasting tools, but I personally really like just using and you can usually find some templates i 'm happy to provide some if you have show notes um, but uh, using templates where you can plug in you know all the various expenses that any business is going to see and face. Um, And be able to, you know, manage and change those on the fly as you go Um, and doing it at a monthly basis. And like I said, a one year, two year, you know, at least a three year model. Uh, Ultimately, you'd like to build a five year forecast out um, and, and then know that, you know, Know your space, uh, meaning what does an acquisition look like? What does it look like when you actually build a business and sell it? you know if it 's a, um, a business that 's based around technology and recurring revenue, or is it a business based around you know uh, hard assets like real estate uh, and, and other items that the that the purchaser will be buying because those are all things you 're going to need to know if you 're bringing investors in ultimately, just to drill it down for this this uh, uh podcast is you know investors are looking for anywhere from a five to ten x return on their investment within three to five years uh, so if they're putting in a hundred thousand they're looking for three hundred thousand out you know within a five year turn, and that's why that five year forecast is so important. you want to get to a point where your you know annual revenue and uh, whatever hard uh, assets that you have are worth you know X number of dollars in the acquisition business. So it does take a little bit of research to figure out you know, what type of business am I in? Where you know is my revenue coming from. You know, can we get that revenue to a certain point where it is actually an acquirable company for a 5X, 6X, 10 times or a 10X? Uh, and then it's so much easier to go into those meetings with investors and show them, you know, not just the business plan, which really the business plan is You know, it's sort of the carrot. Uh, You you should be building a business plan uh, that you can walk through very easily with, um, you know, all kinds of uh, different, you know, points of interest, and we can talk about that in a second. Uh, A very high you know, level of, of your finances. So not going deep into the five-year forecast, just basically saying, you know, you know, this is uh, what our revenue looks like. This is where we see ourselves in five years. And this is how we get you to a 10 X. What you want is at the end of that 15 minutes is those investors to look at your business plan and your forecast and be, and believe you. And then, and you'll know that when they start asking questions. Uh, they, they they they're gonna believe and they're gonna go, wow, like this is this is legit. Like we really, you know, and so if you can defend those numbers, you have some historical data in sales, you understand the market size and scope, you understand what you're capable of reaching. However, if you add these resources, more salespeople more marketing, you know, better tools. You're going to be able to you know, exponentially grow the business um, outside of that you know, initial target market. Um, they're going to have buy-in and they're going to be really interested in participating. And so, you know, um, again, it, it kind of all comes together between the numbers, but also the sale or the pitch or what we call the investment deck. Um, and so that's really where that uh, 16-week program, you know, when I was cutting my teeth, was super helpful.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. And what's interesting as you start talking about the business plan and building it is you start to realize how uh, it builds into things that we're going to talk about into future podcasts, which is why I wanted to get you on so early is because I knew this is ex- ex- exactly what would happen as you start talking about uh, fleshing out your financial uh, plan and knowing what your market is and doing that market research and how you're going to structure your business. All these things are going to come up later. And building this business plan. So uh, for those of you who are listening, who might be uh, looking at this and going, well, I'm not going to build a a multi-million dollar business. I just want a business that is going to help me make $50,000 a year and I'm going to self-start and all of that. That's great. And your business plan will look a lot different. Uh, You don't need to necessarily uh, worry too much about uh, what investors are going to think. But ultimately, Still building that business plan is a great practice in understanding some of the things you're going to have to face. Because what we will talk about again in another podcast is, is once you start building a business, how quickly you realize you're not just in that business anymore. All of a sudden, you're in the marketing business. All of a sudden, you're in the tax business. All of a sudden... You're in, you know, businesses uh, which are kind of side adjacent to what you actually got into business for. And if you're lucky enough to have a large enough business, you can hire people to take some of those things off your plate. But ultimately, when you first get started, you're doing all of these things. And having that business plan is going to give you a leg up to understand, Okay, yeah, I kind of did project some of this, uh, you know, financial Whatever it might be, three years down the road, and here we are. And, uh, and and you just have to get a better understanding of your business as a whole. And ultimately, if you understand your business as a whole, you're going to be a, a better business person all around. And so, uh, I, I still suggest building this business plan, even if you're you're not looking to be a help get sponsors, uh, if you're not looking to to be a company that's going to be acquired by another company. So.
1: Well, that's exactly right, and you know one of the things that you find with that business plan, uh, are, are, and, and I talked about the expenses or what tools you need. So you you hit you hit the nail on the head where you have to become sort of this you know utility player, and you've got to handle your finances. So I'm a big fan of QuickBooks Online. You know, so you got to account for that. You know, not only just the cost of it, but getting it started and learning it. You know, maybe taking a class. Uh, you have to pay an accountant probably to do your your books on a quarterly. So that's finance, and then you look at marketing. So how am I going to market? You know, do I want to get uh, an intern? Do I want to pay for Mailchimp? Do I want to go HubSpot? Great. Okay, there's another expense. Okay, how am I going to handle sales? Well, do, you know, does that marketing tool like HubSpot help me with that, or do I want to go to Salesforce and have my CRM, my customer, uh, you know, uh, management tools, um, you know, with Salesforce or somebody else for that matter? So. That financial forecast and building that business plan really helped you to frame yourself out as a better business person, especially when you're a solopreneur and you're doing it on your own.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, there's so many pieces and so many expenses that come in that if you did not do the research, and you know, we're kind of in opposite boats here. I kind of got started with a very, very, very small SBA loan, and the business plan that I had to build was, you know, looking back on if I still had a copy on it, is laughable. Um, but again, it was, I was asking for, uh, $10,000. I wasn't asking, right. uh, you know, and then all of that was personally guaranteed. So it didn't matter to them if the business failed or not. I mean, they knew that it was going to be paid back one way or the other. So if you're in that boat, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's great to, to be able to still have a business plan to look at it. But yeah, there's so many expenses that I just had no clue were going to come about. And, uh, it, it was it was eye opening, and it's it's amazing to me, you know, listening and working with you and building a a, a business plan and trying to acquire the company that we did. Uh, it was eye opening. It was like, wow, I, there's so many things <laughs> that I'm yeah. so lucky that I'm still in business because I didn't do any of this stuff. And now, you know, looking back, there's a couple things that I would have changed, and and building a more solid business plan would have been one. And then investing in a little bit more business time um, in college would have been another, but again, a completely different uh, path that I'm on than I ever anticipated when I was studying engineering in college. So it, it's just wild how things. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. So you know, looking at the way you kind of moved into business, what kind of challenges did you face? I mean, I know at at, at one point. Uh, I mean, did you ever balance a traditional job and a small business at the same time, or did you just kind of move one right into the other?
1: Well, I was going to mention that about investors, uh, and we all think of investors as like family funds or VC or institutional capital. Um, you know, it all starts first with friends and family. And we've heard that before, you know, friends and family may be investing or helping you get off, off the ground, but I would take it back one more step, which is, you know, your husband, wife, or spouse and partner, because, uh, you know, a lot of times you're selling them on the idea of allowing you to like, you know, kind of come out of your full-time position somewhere to begin to start the business. Um, I think the best advice I've ever heard is not to uh, leave your day job for your side hustle. And if you're truly you know, motivated and you care deeply about what you're building, your your new product, your new business, your new services, you're going to have no problem working on it for three or four hours a day after you get home from work. And so you know, I I would highly recommend that people, unless they're in a relationship where, you know, you're solid with one of your incomes going away for a little while, I'd highly recommend not to walk away from your job, you know, over an emotional moment. Even when I had that situation where I felt like that, you know, I had been screwed on commission uh, lack of a better term. Um, you know, I still took my time in making the decision on leaving and I made sure that I had a client lined up and and basically signed, sealed and delivered, uh, before I decided to walk. I also made sure that legally I could do that. And so, um, you know, I think you have to be really strategic about making that decision, uh, to, to walk away. Um, and you, you brought up a great point. It's like, how motivated are you? How much do you believe in this business, this product, this service before you do such a thing?
0: Yeah, and it's a fine line. I mean, this is exactly the route that I took, you know, five years, actually uh, four years, 363 days. You were an engineer, right? Yeah, for uh, almost five years. and
1: Now you're one of the best podcasters I've ever heard. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not kidding you all those years on the microphone. I mean, you're just like, this is your money, man. You got the golden touch.
0: (laughs) Well, I appreciate that, but it's uh, it's, it's all about the equipment. I have a a microphone hanging in front of my face with a a shield guard and all these fun things I like in my little home office. So it makes me sound a lot better, but, but yeah, it's the same, same path. And there was a point where it became very clear um, that it was time to move over full time. And it, it, it's one of those things where, I worked the entire time, the entire almost five years on the side hustle, and we, I think when you when you when I realized it, and this I would assume is is similar for most people, is when the, the tiny little things that used to not bother me about my day job really started to bother me and right. really got under my skin. I think that's when it was like, okay, I've I've made that mental decision that it's time to move on, and now I'm just finding reasons to to make it happen, and at that point it's going to take a, a, a little bit of financial stability from the side hustle to even put you in a position to start thinking like that if if you're completely dependent to pay your bills and your mortgage and all of that on your your traditional job and your side hustles making you five hundred dollars a month the little things aren't going to bother you so it was it becomes very clear when it's time to move on right. um, and but it, it's what's really interesting is to listen to you talk about um, this you know this notion of being careful and you know you're trying to be careful and cautious at the same time as you're trying to throw caution to the wind and really just be passionate about this business and it is this razor's edge that you have to walk that's you know you want to put all this effort and time and energy into building a fantastic business and you want to do so cautiously so um you know, you've seen plenty of people. Um, you know, one of my favorite quotes is on the planes of hesitation lie the bleached bones of many. And I mentioned that in, a, in an earlier podcast and, um, but at the same time you, you want to hesitate a little bit yeah, right? yeah. so you don't, you know, just jump into the water and you, you realize the water's only uh, two foot deep. So,
1: well, you know, the, one of the uh, overarching themes, I, I can just hear us coming back to, you know, in this conversation is preparation. Um, and you know, when I was, uh, in local TV I was in Raleigh North Carolina I worked with some phenomenal people like great great uh mentors people who had been in the TV business for a really long time and then we had the opportunity to interview on a regular basis you know coach Dean Smith coach Mike Šiškeski uh Valvano was before my time but um sitting in rooms and talking to these gentlemen who had enormous success as coaches. And if you think about it, they are the entrepreneur of that team. They're building the team around their vision, their business. And, and what, I'll never forget. There's so many things I learned from these folks just listening in. You know, I wasn't the brilliant guy asking the questions. Tom Souter was at the time, or Jeff Gravelly was at the time, and you know, they they would extract these amazing thoughts out of these out of these leaders uh, away from the game, like after practice or whatever it was. And one of the questions was to Dean Smith. They'd come back and they, I think they beat Maryland. They were down by like ten, and it was two minutes to go. And and the question was, you know. We're not interested in how you pulled that off, but we were looking at you with two minutes to go, and and you did not look concerned or worried in the least, and your team exuded that same confidence. No one in the building thought you could win that game. How were you not nervous? And Dean Smith said simply, if you prepare for every eventuality, if you prepare for anything that could happen, there's no need to be nervous. And I think that's really important when you're thinking about Life as an entrepreneur—you know, whether you're just trying to make your salary, or whether you're trying to build a business that's going to be acquired—you really need to look through at every eventuality and every possibility, and, and try to think of as many costs and expenses that you didn't think of, as many things that could go wrong. Like, who would have ever thought of COVID, right? Um, but. You know, aside from something as, as wild as that, now we have a whole new frame of reference as to what can happen to the business world. So looking through and then really building your business around that, fortifying it, then there's no reason to be nervous, right? You oh, plan for fantastic. every eventuality. And it's just really – yeah, so it's just little things like that that you learn over the years that really help, help yeah, you Yeah, that's uh, amazing.
0: And the, you know, the one thing that I always uh, like to, to kind of base anything on is anytime I'm doing anything in front of people, such as pitching a business or giving a, a – a, pre-events, um, meeting or, or or talking in front of people is just to make sure that you're the most knowledgeable person in the entire room on the subject that you're talking about. If you know more than anyone else on that subject, you're the expert and you're going to exude that confidence exactly like you're talking about. And that entails knowing all of these possibilities, knowing, um, what could happen and having an answer for the people who ask these questions. And, uh, that's just awesome. And I think that's a, a key that you're going to experience from building this business plan. And if you take the time and put in the effort um, to really build a fantastic business plan, I think your business is going to be off on the right foot. So Tom, I think you've given us a a ton of information and uh, I would say, I asked this of all my guests, but since you're my first guest, (laughs) um, I will say I'm going to be asking this of, of all my guests, but you know, give us one piece. I mean, business plans aside, just in business in general and, This is an impossible question. So I know you have to just, you just have to pick one. But, you know, what's one piece of advice that you kind of wish that you would have had before you got started in building your business?
1: Uh, I I wish that I understood. I I touched on this before um, the importance of having the resources you need to get to where you want to go. So I think a lot of times you feel like you can build those as you go, um, but it's especially in technology. Uh, if you need product upgrades or additional products to win customers, you need to know that and you need to have the resources to be able to build those, those tools into your business or into your software platform because people won't ultimately buy the, the product until you have the tools that the market demands. It would be like going to a triathlon And not having aid stations and saying, oh, I'll get those next race, you know, after we're done, let's get this race over with, even though it's 110 degrees out and I'll add uh, uh, some aid stations next time, once I have the money, you know, so it's, it's really looking at your market and understanding what the market wants and being able to provide the market, what they need sort of out of the, out of the box. So either you have those resources built in already, or you need to go find some assistance through some of the financial channels that we talked about um, that would probably be the number one, you know, cause I think anyone who gets into entrepreneurship and new businesses is, is like you and, and myself, it's like, you, you believe you can do everything like anything and everything. And that's great. That's a wonderful trait to have. But the reality is, is that without financial resources, without e- either that, or even partners who bring those resources to the business for a part of the equity, uh, you're just not going to ever build that product or that service that the market is going to accept and buy.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. Word of mouth is probably the number one greatest, uh, piece of marketing that you can ever have. And your first customers, if they don't get that fantastic experience, like you said, right out of the gate, uh, their word of mouth is not going to be positive. And that's, um, uh, that's fantastic advice. So man, I really appreciate it, Tom. It's been awesome catching up with you. And, uh, I, I know we're on opposite ends of the, uh, the world or at least uh, the United States, but we should, we should do this more often. So I'll have you back on, uh, uh, episode Seven, when we talk about the business structure, how about that that
1: sounds good jeremy and and i just i want to apologize because I just realized you 're a Clemson guy, and i 'm quoting dean smith you 're going to edit that whole section out
0: no, but see this is <laughs> this is the way that we we work. I can be a Clemson football guy, but i 've always been a North Carolina basketball guy always oh, been and and you know my dad is rolling over in his grave. he went to n c state for all of a year. And, uh, he was a huge basketball guy and I think he actually walked on to the NC state basketball team, but, um, it, uh, I've never been, uh, a Clemson basketball guy. I've always been a Michael Jordan right. guy, a North Carolina, you know, Brad Daugherty, all those guys. So, uh, it's okay. And well, I feel uh, better uh, now. And as you grow yeah, this definitely.
1: podcast, don't forget help get sponsors.com.
0: That's right. Absolutely that's right. I, will, start I, will, I will be utilizing this to sell sponsorships, that's right. that's but right. you know, what's interesting is we're actually going to have Dean Smith on episode three. So it's oh. fantastic. So it'll, 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 it's a perfect lead in. And Tupac, Dean Smith, if you're listening, I know you're not listening, but I would love to have you on the podcast.
1: That's right. All right, Jeremy. Thank you so much <laughs> for having me, buddy.
0: All right. Thanks a lot, bud. We'll see you. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. Well, there you have it, folks. Episode number two of Small Business Big Plans is in the books. A special thanks to our guest, Tom Crichton, for joining us and helping us understand the importance of a business plan. Next time, we're going to be talking about financing that plan and the different ways you can make that happen. Until then, keep living the dream. We'll see you next time.